Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Oh, wow. If that wasn't so true, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, we were starting in... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre creation, a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we go back to verse 14. This is very important. For the love of Christ controls us. Say that with me. The love of Christ controls us. If you have a, a different translation, it may say constrain us, but it, it brings us into the place where we need to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. We've already felt your presence. Lord, we are so grateful to be here to worship together and to love you and lodge you. And Lord, we are so thankful to be your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. You know, some people are out of control, and this is what I found out. If you don't control yourself, somebody will eventually control you. If you get too far out of control, how many know the police will control you? Or the judicial system will control, control you. Uh, they'll control you in Lexington or Granite or McAllister. They have a way of controlling people there, right? So we have to be careful that we don't get out of control. So if you were with us last time, we gave you five things that should not be controlling you. Your past should not be controlling you. And uh, I overheard this uh, about two or three years ago. I was with someone and we were in a group and they said uh, when this certain thing happened to me, um, I got mad, and I guess I never got over it. And when they got mad, when this event happened, they were in their 20s. The person who said this at the time was in their late 70s. So 50-something years later, what happened in their 20s was still controlling them. The second thing we talked about, other people's opinions uh, controlling you. You know, other people's opinions does not define who you are. It does not tell you who you should be. Uh, number three, an unhealthy relationship can try to control you. You know, most domestic violence is someone trying to control you. And so that is something in the news today. Uh, the fourth thing, do you have some wrong beliefs or some wrong thinking that's trying to control you? Don't become your own enemy by your thinking process or by your belief process. And lastly, we said don't let materialism or money control you. Uh, money's amoral. It's neither good or bad. It depends on how you use it. The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. It says the love of money is not good and evil. But uh, we don't want to get into to this area of materialism. Jesus said this. He said, you cannot serve two masters. You'll either love one, hate the other. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon or money, and mammon is the personification of materialism. So we have to be careful that none of those things begin to control us. So let's shift gears, and it, will it be all right if we go a little bit deeper today? Would it be okay if we get, kind of get down into the nitty-gritty of Scripture? So I, I want to just preface this because some of you, um, you, you may have come from a place that you didn't deal with some of these issues. And another minister and I, about two weeks ago, were talking about this issue. And uh, he's a friend of mine, somebody that I respect. And we said, you know, some people go to church where it's church light. 
How many of you know what uh, uh, light sour cream is? Or light mayonnaise is? Or, you know, um, it could be light salad dressing. It's never as good as the real. Right? I mean, it's never good as the real. So we don't want to get to a place where there's some issues that are not dealt with. So we want to get uh, into some of that. Ephesians 5, take your Bible, turn there this morning. Uh, verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, indulgence, de uh, depravity, corruption, sensuality. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what Paul is saying is that you can be under the influence of good or bad. There can be something controlling you that's bad, something that's controlling you that's good. Most of the time, when you see someone under the influence, they have a tendency to say things and do things they would not normally do if they were in their right mind. Um, you know, little people will try to fight big people. That's not in your right mind. I mean, it gives you false courage. It gives you false hope. It gives you, you know, a, a sense that you're more than you really are. Or it will lead you down a wrong path. You're under the control of something. And so what Paul is saying, there is this control that's bad. There's this control that's good. So don't be this, be that, and, and the that that's good. He said, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with this other stuff, but be filled with the Spirit. So if we're filled with the Spirit, if we go through chapter 5... Verse 2, please look there. He says, walk in love. Then he says in verse 8, he says, walk in the light. Verse 15, he says, walk in wisdom. Okay, Paul, that's good. Walk in love, walk in the light, walk in wisdom. Here's the big question. How do I do that? Because sometimes my walk doesn't always feel like it's walking in love or walking in the light or walking in wisdom. And he gives us the answer here. He says the way that we walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we can do what he asks us to do. But for me to have control, and I want you to listen very carefully, to have control, you have to give up control. To have control, you have to give up control. Now, we've used this story so many times, and ad nauseum, let me give it to you again. It's the story about the, the big musician, the famous musician, back in the 1700s and 1800s that went to the church, the huge cathedral, huge pipe organ, no electricity. How did they function with that? They had to pump it up. My mom and dad has a pump-up organ, has foot pedals. But in those big cathedrals, it was a big pump that, that pumped up the billows. So when you pumped up the billows, it fired up the organ. So he's playing. There's a young boy back there pumping up the organ. And he's enraptured with the music. I mean, it's really good. And he turns around from the back of the organ and says to the guy playing, he says, we're really doing good, aren't we? And so the guy just looks at him, and the guy keeps playing, and the little boy, he's really excited. He says, boy, we're really doing good, aren't we? And then later on, he just kept doing that, and the organist says, what do you mean we? And a little bit later in the service, the organ goes, wah, wah, wah. And the little boy says, how are you doing on your own? <laughs> you see, you need help. Look at your neighbor and say, you really need some help. you, you got to have some help. I need help. We all need help. So to, to get control, sometimes we have to give up control. And a spirit-filled life should also be a spirit-controlled life. 
Let me say that again. A spirit-filled life should also be a spirit-controlled life. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, they are the daughters of God. It's not enough just to be filled with the Spirit. How many of you know we have to be led by the Spirit? Not just filled, but led. I want to give you three things. We're going to talk about this in detail. When you and I are controlled and led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks through us, and the Holy Spirit speaks for us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, through us, and for us. So let's take this first one. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking, and he says in verse 26, But the Helper, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. This is what I know. The older I get, I need things brought to my remembrance. Y'all are so holy. Uh, someone very close to me said this, the older I get, I'm looking for two things, a place to go to the bathroom, and I'm trying to remember somebody's name. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? So what did Jesus say? Jesus said this, he said that the Holy Spirit will teach you, number one, and bring all things to your remembrance. So will the Holy Spirit speak to us? The answer is absolutely yes. Let me ask you a question. Is there and has there been a time where the Holy Spirit actually spoke to you? you? You didn't hear an audible voice, or maybe you did. You didn't hear thunder from heaven, but you were studying, you were reading, you were contemplating a problem, a situation, and deep in the recess of your spirit, the Holy Spirit began to teach you. That's happened to me. I have had insight on Scripture that I've never heard preached, never taught to me, and the Holy Spirit began to give me insight to a Scripture that I'd never had before. It wasn't me, but I believe the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to you to teach you and to bring things to your remembrance. This is Acts 13. This is when uh, Saul, who was Paul, and Barnabas, and they're at Antioch with a group of people, and as they ministered, chapter 13 of Acts, verse 2, they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. The Holy Spirit said, say that with me, the Holy Spirit said, let's say it again, the Holy Spirit said, is the Holy Spirit speaking? Absolutely. Does the Holy Spirit continue to speak today? Absolutely. A lot of people don't believe that. They believe that happened back then, doesn't believe today. Let me tell you, by the authority of God's word, the Holy Spirit is still speaking today. Still speaking today. How many of you remember when Jesus addressed the seven churches of Asia at the first part of Revelation? At the end of every church, this is what he said. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. Who's the church? We're the church. It's not this building. Sometimes I feel like the Lord needs to speak to this building. But anyway, you're the church. So according to Jesus, does the Holy Spirit speak to the church? Absolutely, the Holy Spirit speaks to the church. So here they are, they're gathered together, they're ministering. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. So the Holy Spirit absolutely is still speaking to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit speaks through us. The Holy Spirit speaks through us. In Mark 
12, Jesus is addressing the religious world. He's addressing the scribes, the Pharisees, the people around him. And he says, David himself, verse 36, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So this is what Jesus said. David was speaking, how? By the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you hear a message or you hear a prophetic word or you're counseling a friend or you are receiving something from somebody else, the words you get and the words that I get come directly through the Holy Spirit. Directly through the Holy Spirit. Now, that can come through someone speaking by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Luke chapter 1, this is the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus the Messiah. And remember Zacharias and Elizabeth are barren. Elizabeth has no children. And so he's a priest. The angel appears to him. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. And so as they are progressing through this, when Zacharias kind of doubted what was going to happen, he couldn't speak. When the Lord opened up his mouth, when he was naming the baby, verse 67 of Luke 1, his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. So he's talking about the coming Messiah, that God was coming to his people to redeem his people. Now when Zechariah said that, he was saying this because the Holy Spirit was what? Speaking through him. So there are times, not only does the Holy Spirit speak to us, but the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Is that still going on today? According to Scripture, it is. So the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Paul at Caesarea, verse uh, number 10, Acts 21. The Bible says, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, this is the way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So what he is prophesying actually happened later. Do you remember when Paul was at Ephesus and he gave the, the account to the, the Ephesian elders and he says, you shall see my face no more? Do you remember that? Why is he referring to this? Because this is in Acts 20. Now this is in, in, uh, um, in Acts 21. Why does he keep saying that? Because he had an unction and a word from the Holy Spirit that he would be bound by the Jews and then delivered to the Romans. And what was said here through Agabus the prophet by the Holy Spirit literally came to pass. So the Holy Spirit will speak to us. The Holy Spirit will speak through us. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit will speak for us. The Holy Spirit will speak for us. Pastor Mike, what, what do you mean the Holy Spirit will speak for us? I'm glad you asked me that question. Because in Jude chapter, uh, only one chapter, verse 20, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in the Holy Ghost. Do you know you can pray in the Holy Spirit? You can pray in your prayer language. You, I believe you can pray in the Spirit and not even pray in your prayer language. I believe it's Holy Spirit-led. But that being said, the Holy Spirit begins to pray through you in your prayer language because you need help. How many of you know somebody who needs help? 
It's you, okay? It's you. I need help. All God's children need help. So we are coming to a place, sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray. We don't know the solution. We don't know the remedy. You know the problem, but you don't know how to fix it. Guess what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to pray through you or speak for us. So there is the through us and then there is the for us. Let me give you a little clearer picture of this. Romans 8. If you'd like to turn there, you can. But Paul addresses this in chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought or as we should, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes you don't even know the words to speak. Sometimes you just groan and moan. And how many of you know God understands groaning and moaning? Okay, let me talk to this group over here. How many of you understand God understands groaning and moaning? When Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, the Bible says he groaned, and not just he groaned, the Bible says he groaned in the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit speaks for us. Verse 27, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you realize that sometimes when you pray, when your understanding's unfruitful, when you don't understand how to pray, what to pray for, the Holy Spirit begins to pray for you. Amen. According to that scripture, the Holy Spirit begins to make intercession for us. For us, for us. If, if Cheryl's going through a difficult time, do you know I have the ability to intercede for her? I can pray to God for Cheryl in intercession. Sometimes when you don't know what to do, how to solve it, how to fix it, the Holy Spirit will speak for you. The Holy Spirit will speak for you. And Paul delineates this out and he says that the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes you don't even know how to pray or what God's will is, but the Holy Spirit knows. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is God. So we're praying and the Spirit begins to pray for us and through us because we need help. Now, with that said... It's not enough just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, goodness gracious, when do we start this false doctrine? No, listen, we, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. How many of you, and don't hold up your hand and don't shout any names, okay? Hold up your right hand. We have an agreement, right? How many of you have ever been in church, and there's been somebody in the church that were... They were really spiritual on Sunday morning and really spiritual Sunday night. But it was the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday that got them. Because what you saw on Sunday was not what they're living out there on Monday through Saturday. They can talk in the tongues the loudest. They can jump up and down the highest. They can dress the nicest. I mean, they're buttoned up to the top and they're Skirt sashays the floor. But let me tell you, it's not just being filled with the Holy Spirit. How many know you got to be yielded to the Holy Spirit?
So this is the key here for us to have the kind of control that we need to have. So Galatians 5, you're there. And then Ephesians 5, you'll be there too. Verse 22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you have a King Jimmy, it says temperance. Self-control against such there is no law. Now, there's two laws working in you if you are a believer. One law that wants to work in you is your old carnal nature. There's another law working in my members. There's another force inside of me. It is the law of carnality, flesh, and worldliness. And everybody's got it. Look at your neighbor. They got it. They're infected by it. Adam infected all of us with it. So therefore, that law wants to rule me. I want to bless you with a brick. I want to tell you what I think. I want to drive through the church parking lot and act like this guy in the video. That law is there. And you say, well, you, you can't overcome that law. Yes, you can. Amen. Let's take the law of gravity. It's real. It'll hold you down. And you say, well, I, I, I can't overcome the law of gravity. I understand what you're saying, but really you can. How many have ever flown an airplane? How could you get off the ground if the law of gravity's got a hold of you? There's another law of aerodynamics and lift that will supersede the law of gravity. And as long as you have that energy there, you can defy the law of gravity and stay afloat or stay in the air if you understand that law. Okay, look at me. Act like you know what I'm talking about here. So if, if you will overtake the law of gravity with a higher law, then you don't have to have that control of gravity because you can get off the ground with the law of aerodynamics if you have the power to do that. Now, you and I, as Paul said, there's something else working in our members, but here's the good news. There's a higher law that works in us that doesn't make us subjected to that lower law. That fallen nature, we don't have to live in that. We don't have to walk in that because this is what Paul says. We can walk in love. We can walk in the light. We can walk in wisdom. How, how do we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit that lifts us up above that nature. So therefore, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. So he's saying this is the higher law, this is the highest law. And then in verse 16, he says, walk in the Spirit. Verse 18, he says, be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. He didn't just say be filled with the Spirit. He said be led by the Spirit. Let me get real personal with you. I shared this in the early service. I'm going to share it with you. I know you think I'm pretty perfect, but I'm not. Aaron, my son, said this uh, many years ago. He was talking to someone, and, and he said this. He said, all of my life, I've only heard my dad say one bad word. I'm not going to tell you what it is, so quit thinking about it. He said, all my life, I've only heard my dad say one bad word. And let me tell you when it was. We were gathering cattle up, and we had this one cow that is demon-possessed. <laughs> and it was crazy and wild, and we've been trying to get it up for a long time. And finally, we got it up. 
Now, if you know anything about lots and shoots and loading, and, uh, you know, we have, you know, pins and, and uh, you know, head shoots and different things. Well, the way this works, we have a lane that runs where you can load cattle up, and when you run them through, then there, there's a little latch gate where you can run through the chute. And so I'm going to run her through the chute, but I forgot the little latch gate was open. The one that directs them to the chute. So you have to understand, we spent all day trying to get this cow up. This demon-possessed cow. <laughs> and so when, when we got it up in the lots, I'm going to run it through the head chute. And with that little gate being open, I ran it right back out in the pasture. Oh. And Aaron said, that's the only time I ever heard my dad say a bad word. <laughs> now, I know you're really holy. But sometimes things happen that you begin to revert back and you lose control. Now, here is the remedy. You and I have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We just don't need to be. You said, Pastor, how can you be spirit-filled and say a word like that? Because not only should you be spirit-filled, you have to yield to the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. I know you've never done anything like that. Ever, ever done anything like that. But I'm just confessing today to you. So, if we walk in the Spirit and are led by the Spirit, or controlled by the Spirit, then we will not act out of our worldly, carnal, fleshly nature and fulfill the works of the flesh. Now, look at verse number 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, or this is what the works of the flesh are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, uh, sorcery, enmity, or hatred, or hostility, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, murder, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. You see, our world is dealing with these things. I mean, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of these things are just out of control, right? So self-control out of control. So he says these things will take us out of control. These are called the works of the flesh as in contrast with the what? Fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit brings us into control. The works of the flesh gets us what? Out of control. And so we can't do this by ourselves. We need the help and the guidance and the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, I don't need the Holy Spirit. Then why is God wanting to give you the Holy Spirit if you don't need the Holy Spirit? I don't even know. You need the Holy Spirit. It's a gift to you. And so therefore, if we get control, then we have to have a helper, an advocate, a comforter to help me have control. So how do I yield to the Holy Spirit and have the right kind of control in my life? It's not enough just to talk about it. How do we do it? Three things. Get a pencil and paper out. Here we go. For me to have the control of the Holy Spirit in my life, I have to, number one, be in communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I have to be in communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul is finishing out his letter. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Notice, he says, you need the grace of Jesus, you need the love of God, and what? The communion of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, not only do we have to have communion with the Holy Spirit, Philippians 2.2, 2, he is talking to the church about having unity and humility with one another. He says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, Say that with me. Fellowship of the Spirit. So what's he saying? Number one, you need communion with the Holy Spirit. You need to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now how do I do that? How do I have communion and fellowship by the Holy Spirit? This is how. You have communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit by the Word of God. By the Word of God. Every time you read the Word, every time you're in class and the teacher's teaching, when you're here and you hear the Word preached, you're having communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You say, wait a minute. No, I'm not. I'm in class. I'm hearing the Word preached. Listen. The Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you who the author of the Bible is? You say, well, it's David and there's Samuel and Moses. And this is what Peter said. Peter said, holy men of old wrote as they were inspired and moved on by the Holy Spirit. So if I say, who's the author of the word? You would have to say, the Holy Spirit is the author of the word that we know. So every time we read, we study, we meditate, we hear it taught, we hear it preached, then we are entering into fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. Now, now here's the next one. We fellowship and commune with the Holy Spirit in worship. When you come here and you lift your hands, you lift your voice, you're in this atmosphere and you're worshiping, you're singing, you're praising at home, here uh, uh, corporately, then you're in fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit. You say, no, I'm not. I'm just here singing and, and praising God. They that worship God must worship him. This is John 4, 24. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we fellowship and have communion with the Holy Spirit whenever we worship and especially when we worship together. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So when we have the word, we fellowship, commune with the Holy Spirit. When we worship, we fellowship and commune with the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, we fellowship and have communion with the Holy Spirit. Because he says, when you pray, you can pray in the Spirit. So therefore, what's happening? We're having this interaction with the Holy Spirit. So here it is. We have to have communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing. You and I need to allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. Because sometimes what you think is the answer won't be the answer. What you think is the solution won't be the solution. What you see in the scripture may not be the right interpretation. So therefore, every time that we need help in guidance, we need help in a tutor, we need help in a mentor, then the Bible says we allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our teacher. So what are we doing? We're having fellowship. We're having communion with the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing. We fellowship and have communion with the Holy Spirit by not quenching or grieving the Spirit. We fellowship and have communion with the Holy Spirit by not quenching or grieving the Holy Spirit. So you say, can we grieve the Holy Spirit? According to Scripture, we can. 
Can we quench the Holy Spirit? According to Scripture, we can. Let me show you. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Here's Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when we come in here, when you have your personal time, when you have your difficult time, you and I desperately need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we don't have control. Or we lose control. Or someone tries to control us or something tries to control us. And there's nothing more powerful in your life, in my life, than the control of the Holy Spirit. So in a world outside of these walls is a world that is very controlling, trying to push you in the mold, conforming you into the image of the world and culture. And therefore, you have to have a greater power to keep that control that God wants in your life than what the world wants in your life. The world's very controlling. I mean, there are controlling marriages. There's controlling friendships. There's controlling bosses. There's controlling governments. And listen, the Bible says God wants you to be free and free indeed. Not be controlled by those things, but to have the freedom to walk in the liberty and to walk in a higher law than this world. You know, I think I'm helping somebody today. Because sometimes we get locked into something and we feel like this control is pressing us in when all the time God wants to give you liberty and freedom and we think, well, no, if something controls me, it's just going to control me. Well, it can in the good, it can in the bad. How many of you know God wants to control you in the good? But he won't force his control on you. He won't force his law on you. He won't force his goodness on you. He won't force his mercy and his kindness and grace on you. You know what? You have to have control by giving up control. You have to say, God, I want you in my life to help me because there's a lot of times I am literally out of control and I need you to help me with that right control. And if you don't get it, they'll control you in McAllister. They'll control you over in drug court. Matter of fact, They'll put something on your ankle to try to control you. Now, I'm not being negative here because there's a lot of us here. We, we, we've had all three of those things. You're in the right place, baby. The church is not a museum for the saints. It's a hospital for the sinners, right? So you're in the right place. So what I'm saying is, if you're saying, well, I got this, I got this, I got this. Hey, we don't got it. Because we're prone to mess up in a huge, huge way. So this is the message today. Are you going to let your will, your flesh, your addiction, your life, somebody else, the world, culture, control you? Are you going to say, okay, Lord, here I am. I haven't been doing a very good job of controlling myself. My wife tells me that. I need some help with control. So, Lord, would you help me with control? And this is what the Lord's going to say Mike, the Holy Spirit is a gift to you.
to teach you and guide you and to bring control in your life. He will speak to you and through you and for you if you allow it. But if you don't, how are you doing on your own? Stand with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.